Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Welcome to Analog Jones in the Temple of Film. I'm Steve. And I'm Matt. And we've got a special guest here today, Mr. Scott Roger, who did our intro. How are you doing, Scott? Oh, I am just delightful now that I'm done watching this film. Oh, you didn't like this beauty? <laughs> uh, we'll get into it. <laughs> <laughs> so you want to tell us uh, what you do for fun on the HMN podcast and maybe something else? Yeah, sure. I uh, well, I am the co-host of the Horror Movie Night podcast, which is horror humor comedy type podcast where we watch real bad horror movies. So it's kind of like what Analog Jones does half the time, but just horror. Because uh, sometimes you actually watch and discuss good movies. So uh, that's the one thing we don't do. But uh, yeah, we we do um, we do weekly shows, and that's how we met Stephen. Well. Uh, over the internet, and he became my internet boyfriend, and he did the Horror Movie Night podcast uh, website, and in very, very slight payment, because I'll never be able to pay him back completely for all that work, um, I did the Analog Jones theme. I also do an instrumental metal project called Console Crash, where I do covers of Nintendo music and horror movie theme songs, and I also do original kind of chiptunesy metal and original metal soundtracks. So that's that's kind of that's kind of what I do. You do it all. I try. <laughs> You're a busy man. Uh, I like to stay busy. It keeps my brain from going nuts. Yeah, that's stuff on Council Crush. Um, Council Crash. I keep saying Crush. <laughs> I don't know why, but that stuff's really cool. I really like it. Thank you. I, it, it started. I guess it's been four years. Four years um, in April, I think, since I first released material as Console Crash, I was still doing a um, a death metal project, like a live band called Ichabod Crane. That I had I did that band for almost a decade, and near the end of the lifespan of the project, I thought, oh, I'd really like to do some Nintendo covers. It's music from Nintendo games, uh, and and so I did a self. I, I taught myself how to record and produce on my own, and the, the first EP is not great, but it, it was it is what it is. Um, I did all the music from Mega Man 2, Gremlins to the new batch, and the Nightmare on Elm Street NES game, and I learned a lot, and I, I, I very much enjoy doing Console Crash, but it is, it is sometimes like doing something in a vacuum, you know, because no one hears it until it's all finished, and so it's like, well, I hope people are going to like this, but... <laughs> you know, sometimes it kind of, uh, it, it flops. It doesn't flop like the, the music's fine. It's just I feel like sometimes um, the I may be off base with what people would be interested in hearing, but I mostly just do it for myself. Well, then you can never lose. When you're actually doing all this, do you pretend, especially the gremlins too, do you pretend to be the vegetable mutant gremlin the entire time? <laughs> well, I mean, I spend every day trying to be vegetable gremlins. So it's not like it was a different day for me that that uh, that specific span of time when I was writing and recording that song. 
<laughs> God, I love Gremlins too. Uh, just for a little spoiler alert, anybody that listens to Horror Movie Night, because I'm sure that there's a, a good Venn diagram of people that listen to your show and our show. Matt and I decided that if we make it to 150 episodes, we're doing Gremlins 2. We're going to make it to 150 episodes because we're only like 15 episodes away right now. So <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you're really close. <laughs> so uh, in June, we're going to hit up doing Gremlins 2, the uh, the new batch for episode 150, which is our three-year anniversary as Horror Movie Night. But I also realized that it's been six years that I've been podcasting with that dude. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, I didn't ever mean it to be like such a long-term thing, but it's kind of like that guy that, you know, moves into your house and just never leaves. That's Matt, but my brain. <laughs> so Matt is stuck in your brain's like garage or basement? Uh, his the basement. Yeah. He he's he's made it pretty homey, you know. Sometimes he does his laundry and I can hear it, but otherwise we're we're good. <laughs> I guess we should introduce that there is two Matts in this conversation. We have Matt from here, and then we have Matt from Horror Movie Night. So we need to come up with nicknames for these two. Yeah, each of you guys have Matt partners. That's weird. What does that say about you guys? We love Matts. Yeah, we we do really enjoy our Matts. Uh, And I told Matt that I was coming on your podcast, and I was like, you know, I think it would be hilarious if you went on the podcast at some point, too, because it would just be Steven being like, hey, Matt, and you both be like, what? You want it? Yeah. Full disclosure, I had two good friends in high school named Scott. So there were three of us and these fucking asshole jocks. Oh, I'm allowed to swear on this podcast, right? Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. I've heard you guys swear. I just didn't know if it was like a a, a new thing that you you were trying to like make it more kid friendly. So anyway, yeah, these fucking assholes, jocks that I went to high school with would always be like, hey, Scott, when the three of us would be sitting next to each other after lunchtime and we'd all look and they'd think that was hilarious. That was that was the 90s for you. (laughs) Jinko jeans and making fun of scots yeah well i didn't wear the jinkos always wanted to wear jinkos but i was never quite comfortable enough in that that scene to do it oh that would be a great picture i wore the i want to say that was like the low rise well i did the boot cut jeans in college because that was what was popular but in high school i can't remember what it was called you know they weren't jinkos because jinkos were just like gigantic pipe pants and you just kind of swam around in them. They were denim dresses. Yes, exactly. Yeah, they were like jorts for, or uh, yeah, jorts, long jorts for men. <laughs> I was the one punk kid in my high school. So I had like, I had a chain for my belt and my wallet and I wore the wide leg jeans. They weren't the Jenko jeans, but they were the wide legs. And I had, you know, like the thrift store t-shirts that were a size too small, which was saying something because I've always been a very slim dude. And uh, I, I would wear like Hawaiian shirts every Friday, unbuttoned, and I had like frosted tips. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm just painting you a picture. I loved all the bands on Hopeless Records, and I I love I had a punk band, pop punk band in high school, and we would cover like The Offspring and stuff. I mean, who didn't? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, there was there was a show that we played one time where, uh, and this is a deep cut, but there was a show that we played at a, um, a a community college nearby, and we were seniors in high school, and the there were two local bands, and then Blessed Union of Souls. You remember that band? Oh uh, yeah, I remember them. Ah uh, no, I don't recall them at all. They might might just been a, like a regional thing, but okay. Well, so we opened up and played for free because, you know, whatever that we were just playing because we're in high school. And there was another band that we played with and they didn't cover one messed song. They covered two messed 
songs. Remember the band Mest? No, I don't remember them. Uh, M M E S T. They're just a pop punk band. They were fun. They were great. But um, they played two covers from the same band. And I remember thinking that that was just like a fucking travesty. I was like, you can't do that. So that's the lesson to learn from the 90s, Scott. Now, did you wear puka shells? No, but I had a hemp necklace that my sister made for me. Of course you did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sorry. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) That was great. Like a nice trip down like just memory lane of what I grew up with in junior high and high school. It shows all about nostalgia, guys. We can we can dip into any <laughs> any facet of nostalgia we have to. <laughs> all right, let's let's uh, <laughs> let's pivot this thing to the actual movie now. Matt, had you seen this or even heard of this before I picked it out for us to all three be tortured with? Uh, no, no, no. Wait, wait. I need to interject here. You gave me three options, and I chose this. <laughs> I'm so sorry, guys. That's true. It's true. I'll just say it right now. Don't apologize. I loved this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Why? God, why? Oh, you torture yourself. Okay, so I'll get into the details of it before we... We two of us trash this and one of us love it apparently. <laughs> so let's get into it. Oh, it's it's trash. Before we get any further, it's trash, but mmm, tasty. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like the trash, like the pizza on top of the trash. It's still okay to eat. Yes. No, I think that you're just like a raccoon and you're like, man, I found this pizza in the trash can. This is delicious. (laughs) Who would throw this away? (laughs) Guys, I think we discovered something. I think as far as like movies, I'm like a movie raccoon. Like I just look for the garbage all the time. And sometimes I get something that's pretty good. (laughs) Well, you think it's good. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Let's get <laughs> This is great. Uh, we had it directed by BJ Davis, who is a stuntman, and he tried to get away with his name was pronounced B.U. Davis. So I guess he just. Bo. Bo Davis. Oh, is it Bo Davis? Yeah, it's probably Bo. Yeah, that's that's French, man. Oh, I don't speak Canadian. <laughs> eh? <laughs> <laughs> So I, I do love how th- that's his change of it. Well, I guess he decided to go as BJ later on in life. I don't get it. I don't know. But I, as soon as you sent me this like little rundown about what like the, that is directed by this BJ Davis guy and he's a stuntman, it made absolute sense. I, I wish I had known that going into it because I feel like I would have. I think that half of my notes are kind of like pointless now because they make so much sense in the in the reality of this is a movie that was directed by a stuntman because this is just stunts for for their own sake. That's all this movie is. Oh, I could just see it. This director, everyone's just standing around. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Bo has no idea what he's doing. I have a feeling everyone was just super on coke uh, during this whole thing and was just like, yeah, man, whatever you want to do. You want me to jump off this building? That's fine. That's great. Let's do it. How, how soon can we do it? And Brandon Lee is just so chill and nice. He's just like, yeah, man, I'll show up. I'll do this. I'll do this, you know? <laughs> But Brandon Lee seemed like he was having a pretty good time. Yeah, exactly. Do I get to kick people in the face? Do I get to kick people in the chest? I'm there, man. Absolutely. And we'll put in a random uh, ninja that just comes out of nowhere about at, at the very end of the film. Oh, I have that. No. Yeah, like like we have 20 minutes left of this movie. For no reason, a guy in I and and Steven and I like messaged for just a hot second about this because we didn't want to ruin it for anybody. But like this movie makes no sense because it starts in South America or Cuba. Right. And then it's in Africa. 
And then there's a ninja. Like, it is just the weirdest blend of action film tropes. Yeah, it's crazy. It, <laughs> I mean, we got to save this for the breakdown because this movie is madness. And I have a feeling I might end up liking this film better after talking to you guys about it. I already have that feeling. I, I, have, I have one question. I have one question before we go further. Like... Could you guys tell where this movie was set? I had no fucking idea anytime anybody was anywhere. I knew they weren't in America because he did like the thing with the passport in the like the beginning of the movie. I had no idea where they were going though. Well, I thought that he was in Cuba because he's like, you know, I can get a good Cuban cigar. And then he's like, you Americans are so funny, but all their accents are shit. Oh God, they're terrible. Yeah, I think the accent is what threw me. I mean, in the brown face that is in this movie. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> Well, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. But like, I had just just to, just before we start, I just have to say, I have no idea where this movie was set at any point, any time. I didn't care though, but I had no idea. All right, it was written and produced by no one. Apparently, they're all made up names, so I'm just gonna skip right through that. So I, I guess someone just did him a favor. Like, here you go, BJ. <laughs> have fun. And it was starring Brandon Lee, Debbie uh, Monahan, 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 and Ernest Borgnine. Which I think was on set for, what, eight hours? Yeah, well, two days, maybe. He burnt through it, and he had a blast. Like, he absolutely had the most fun of everybody in this movie. Yes. <laughs> he was just probably like, ah, oh, you know, I need new windows in my house. I'll do this movie. They'll probably give me, like, ten grand. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's the, uh, the, the famous um, Jaws quote? Like, it's like Ernest Borgnine's version of that, where he's like, I did not watch Laser Mission, but I have looked through the windows it purchased. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, Matt, break this VHS slipcover down. Well, I guess I should explain if you guys are new to the show. We like to pretend that we go in and rent these movies based off the VHS cover. So, Matt, go ahead, break it down. Okay, so we're looking at the front cover here, and it is it is just Brandon Lee. It's Brandon Lee with a fist in his hand looking at like directly at the photographer and just like ready to kick some ass. But also this is probably not a photo from this movie. This just looks like maybe it was his headshot at one time or something like that. And they just slapped it on the cover. I think I've actually seen it on another movie poster of his, maybe rapid fire. Yeah. Like that's what this is. It's just like the stock Brandon Lee photograph that they just slap on the front of any of his movies. Wait, are, are you trying to say that this movie didn't have much of a budget? Because I would say, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and behind behind Rand Lee, these are the effects they have. It almost looks like what people describe as like chemtrails in the sky um, behind him. Like, I don't know what it's supposed to be. They're not lasers. There's no mission going on. I don't know. It looks like, yeah, it's like either like chemtrails or like after an air and water show or something like that. Like what the sky looks like with the little like puffs of clouds in the sky behind him. Yeah, chemtrails, man. That's how... That's how you're making the freaking frogs, frogs gay. <laughs> what? Well, this episode needs some serious conspiracies to get us through it. So there we start right there. Oh, you and Matt are going to have fun if you guys get into conspiracies. Oh, yeah. I dropped the uh, the uh, America did 9-11 bomb in the last episode. So we just keep that going. <laughs> uh, we have fun here. The tagline, logline, I'm not sure what it's supposed to be because it's pretty long here, is a secret agent. A beautiful accomplice, a daring mission to prevent World War III, one thrilling adventure, exclamation point. Sure. Got to throw in that trope of World War III. Always got to do it. Right. 
Right. If it's a 80s, 90s action movie, it's always preventing World War Three, which, again, I didn't quite get from the movie. I knew that they were trying to prevent like a laser. Anyway, we'll get to that. We get the plot. I see World War Three coming out of this, but OK. Yeah. And it says laser mission and Brandon Lee on the front. That is the only information we get except for a little thing in the side that says standard play. So <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> so is that like um not letter or is that, that does that mean it was letterboxed or does that what does that mean? No, standard play means that they used like the good tape. So like uh extended play means that they use less tape but put more movie on less tape so it's lower quality. Standard play means they use the right amount of tape for the movie to look the way it should. However, it doesn't quite pay off for this film because uh, RVHS died halfway through watching it. <laughs> 38 minutes. Wait, wait, am I the only one that finished this movie? Oh no, I finished it on YouTube. Okay, good, good, good. Luckily, to keep pure to format, there is a VHS rip on YouTube we were able to watch yeah. the rest of. But yeah, like the tape just died. It went white and that was it. Uh, <laughs> uh, if you look at the side, we see that this is from Woodhaven Entertainment. I don't know who that is uh, at all. I've never heard of them before. It's just another mystery distribution company. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like yeah, there. It's all it's all just shell companies and and fake names. And you know, I feel like uh, B J Davis was like, I just want to make a movie, and he's like, I'm just gonna put this all together the Canon Films way. <laughs> well, yeah, this. I'm surprised this uh, VHS actually wasn't on Video Treasures. <laughs> yeah, right. This is like a perfect Video Treasures release. They even say on this tape here that it is full length tape for best quality. What else is there? Yeah, they're really selling like, hey, this should work. This should work. It died halfway through watching it. So <laughs> so you're going to keep that copy just for like uh, visual, like aesthetic, right? Uh, yes, of course. I mean, it's one of the few ones I have that died. But what's even crazier about this is the film goes to white, but the audio kept going. We had full audio, but no picture. I've never seen a VHS do that ever. I don't know, man. I I I had a lot of experience with VHS in my time, but that's a new one to me too. Yeah, like whited out. Like it just like the screen whited out, but we still had audio. I don't know what that was all about. I'm looking at this tape though, and I'm thinking they're lying to us because it says, you know, standard play. And that's how I said, like you get more tape, actual physical tape in there so that the movie can play to its fullest like experience. There's not a lot of tape in here. So I'm thinking they like straight up lied to us. Like <laughs> it's like it's not it doesn't look like a full role movie in here. <laughs> you sound so hurt. Yeah, I've been lied to. After the gold that was on this thing, you think they're lying to us about the tape? No. No. Do you think that someone would go and make a movie called Laser Mission, not have any lasers in it, and then lie to us about the quality of the tape that they used? Yes. I'm I'm accusing them of this. I am accusing them. Please, Woodhaven Entertainment, come contact me and prove me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you want your money back. This is the last we'll see of Matt. Yeah, right. I'm going to be like in a bag somewhere, like just scooped up off the street and thrown in a van now because I brought up Woodhaven Entertainment and their lies, their little scheme they're running here with less tape in their movies. <laughs> now, I purposely did not actually read the synopsis on the back of this tape because when Matt reads it, I want it to be the first time I have experienced this. So here it is. Ready, everybody? 
Go. A secret, <laughs> a secret service operative, Brandon Lee, the crow, is sent into Africa to escort one of one of the world's foremost laser wo- weapons experts, Ernest Borgnine, the wild bunch spirit of the season, safely to the United States. In his presence, the expert is kidnapped by Soviet lo- Soviet loyalists. The operative learns that this man holds a deadly formula that could trigger World War III. He is now sent back to the dangerous country on a desperate mission to recover or eliminate the laser weapons expert. In this action-packed thriller, he will discover an entire secret Soviet laser weapons operative and a strong will to survive! Exclamation point. It doesn't do any... Those are words and they're English, but it doesn't mean anything. I, I read it and I didn't take anything from it. Like I still am more confused about what I watched now as to what they're trying to sell me on what this movie is. <laughs> yeah, this movie's a hot mess. Like I, I think that maybe my job here tonight is to make you guys realize that this movie's shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you don't really have to, to like convince me that this is shit. I watched it. <laughs> Well, no, you were like, you're like, guys, guys, maybe, maybe after this conversation, I'm gonna like this movie. No, you're not. <laughs> before, before we, before we put this tape in and start talking about like uh, what, what is actually in this movie, I do want to point out. So there's four stills on the back of this box, uh, as there tends to be on these action VHSs. They're action shots. It's like Brandon Lee with a gun. Uh, it's an explosion. It's a guy jumping out of a plane. But the pictures look like someone took like their their little home camera and took a picture of a pause screen on a TV. Yeah. <laughs> like they don't look like stills from the movie. They look like someone took a picture of someone watching the movie on their TV and then developed it and put it on the back of this box. Yeah. When you look at that box right there, do you also notice it kind of seems like it has water damage to the box? Yeah. There's something like it, the box is too big or something so it's like caving in on itself like it's too big for a small tape or something like that so it's like crushing itself i don't know what the fuck they were doing with this also this tape this tape is copyrighted to have come out in 1998 which is obviously after the movie was made like the movie looks like it's like 1990 or something like that so like there was Somebody went back and like found this movie and was like, we're going to put this out on VHS in 1998. We're going to. Well, no. When did Brandon Lee die? It was that 93. Yeah, 93. Yeah. Yeah. So they were like, God, we got to find his back catalog and cash in on this shit. And so they did. But then somebody missed a laser mission and some yokel was like, oh, man, I'm going to be set for life if I can make this happen. And that's how you get the 1998 VHS copy of laser mission well and bizarre they even came out with dvds of it in 2000 and 2002 wow really two why by two different companies two different distribution companies one put it on like a massive set of just action films so they probably paid you know like a dollar for the licensing but someone else put it on their own like their own dvd now what I could see that now with like, you know, Screen Factory or something like that, where they could maybe get some behind the scenes. But this was back in the day when they were just throwing anything on the DVD. So uh, I guess they just decided on this raccoon snack. (laughs) Yeah, this one was probably pretty cheap to buy up. And that's probably why. I mean, it's like it's like the DVDs 
were kind of like VHSs for a minute where it was like the Wild West where like everything you'd put out would make money. So they were, distribution companies were just like hungry for content. And they were probably like, hey, Laser Mission costs like nothing to put out. We can make a few bucks on this thing. Now, I actually saw this came out to theater. Is anyone else surprised by that? Now, it wasn't in theater in the United States. It was only in theater in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that makes so much more sense. I was about to say, I cannot see this having a theatrical release in the U.S. Oh, no, this went this came straight to straight to video on it. I think maybe a year or two years later. Like if this was actually canon, I could see it being in theaters because they would put something like this into theaters. But being later than canon, like I can't imagine anybody thinking this would be a good idea to put on like even 500 screens. <laughs> like <laughs> they can't even get an art film distribution. <laughs> that's, that's what I just don't understand about this film is like who cared enough to make this movie and bankroll it. Cause like they did actually have kind of a legitimate amount of money behind it because of all the goddamn explosions. But like this movie is so confusing and it's not like the, the threadbare plot that confuses me. Because it makes total sense. It's just a James Bond ripoff, but um, that it's it's the fact that this movie got made and and it it had enough notoriety that we're here talking about it right now. Yeah, and you know Debbie, uh, what was her last name? I already forgot. <laughs> Monahan. Debbie Monahan probably thought this was like her breakout role because before this she was doing television. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense when you watch her act. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Oh, that voice. Uh, Stephen also sent me a link to her on. What was the name of that show? It was like Boys Will Be Boys or something like that. Yeah, it was from like 89. It was, uh, what's his name from Friends? Yeah, it was 89 or 90. Matthew Perry. Yeah, Matthew Perry was in it and she was just playing the exact same character. It was the exact same voice. It was the exact same push-up bra that she's wearing in this movie. <laughs> she just changed dress. She kept on the same push-up bra. Probably no underwear. I'm, I'm gonna get, no panties on that girl. I, I don't know, man. When you're out in the desert, you got to have panties on. <laughs> she, she, kept the, she kept the high heels on. She had underwear on. Come on. <laughs> All right. I'll give her that, guys. Okay. So, so before we get into the movie, I just have to say that's where my suspension of disbelief broke. Like, she was wearing high heels all the way through the desert. No, no, you just take your shoes off. We may be the same person. This is creeping me out. Exactly when she was doing that, I'm like, bullshit. No one's wearing heels in the desert. Yeah, I'll believe everything else about this movie, but I will not believe that she's walking through the desert with high heels on. I'm, I'm the opposite. I just feel like with how stupid and ridiculous everything else was in this movie, she better fucking be wearing high heels throughout this whole thing. Like, come on. What if it was her idea? What if she's like, no, I can do this. And the director's like, oh, okay, why not? <laughs> so the 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 um the spoiler of this movie is that she. Well, can I say it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like nobody's gonna give a shit. No, I I hope no one listening is going to watch this film. Just watch it on YouTube. Don't don't pay any money. I don't even know if you could rent this. Honestly, I don't think you can pay money for this. <laughs> oh, I bet you. I bet you a dollar. I bet you however much it costs on Amazon Prime that you can rent this movie on Amazon Prime. In any case. Yes, you can. Amazon Video just found it for $1.99. All right, you owe me $1.99. We'll put it back towards how much I owe you for making our website. So it turns out that, okay, so Brandon Lee is this secret agent man, mercenary man. We'll get to that. But he he goes to Cuba, which is actually Africa maybe, and he finds her as the Ernest Borgnine's daughter. But the whole movie, it's like, is she 
or is she not? She's not. She's a secret agent as well. And like what you're saying, Stephen, so she is. She decided that she's going to wear this outfit and she knows that they're going to go on the run after they have this like weird middle of the day dinner because it's definitely not dinner time when they go to have dinner. And and, and she, so she's going to wear this like deep cut sundress and white high heels. And she knows she's going to go into the desert. And, and that's what she decides to wear. And she doesn't bring a, pa- a, a bag of clothes or something like that. Well, there was one time she's like, let's, can we stop? So I can change. And Brandon Hinsley's like, no, no, we've got to travel across the ocean with this van. <laughs> oh, that's right. God. Yeah. They travel, travel across the ocean from Cuba to Africa in the span of a couple hours. It's insane. Like I try to write a synopsis for each one of these films sometimes just to see how bizarre they are. This one is he goes to Cuba, tries to get the German scientist he gets caught, escapes by hitting everyone with one bullet, firing a shotgun like sideways like a rapper. Then he gets away, finds his people who say, like, you got to work with a KGB agent. And he says, no, he returns, gets into, you know, finds her, the veterinarian, which you think is the daughter. Then we get through all this, I don't know, a giant car chase. And then right when he, they go and look for the actual scientist, that's when this film to me just goes like they forgot to film things because they go from Cuba in a van or Jeep all the way to Africa and don't say anything. No, no, dude. They, they go across the border and, and there's obviously a land bridge between Cuba and Africa. I missed that part. <laughs> yeah. Go back and look at your history books, your geography books, man. Did you also know that the earth is flat? Well, I was thinking, is this Pangea? Wow. Dude, that would make this movie so much better if it's like super, super, super way in the past and they're on Pangea and he just went from Cuba to Africa because they just crossed the border. And also, I love the fact that these guys that are in pursuit of them, all the border is is a little hut that says like, hello in some language. And they're like, oh, we're home free. We walked through it. There And there also are so many explosions in this movie that you know, that's what I'm saying is like somebody bankrolled this movie because they spent so much money on TNT and gasoline. <laughs> yeah, a lot of gas just like driving around this crappy van everywhere. I wonder if like wherever they filmed this, like life was cheap or whatever. And like they would just like blow things up and put people in harm's way like all day long while they were shooting. It probably cost them nothing. I want I wonder where they actually did film this. Well, have you guys ever watched um, Machete Maidens Unleashed? It, it, it's about like exploitation movies in the seventies. Yeah, in the Philippines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's this is this seems like it's right out of that. Like this seems like it's that same kind of thing. Exactly. They found somewhere that they could just get a bunch of brown people that they could pay like a dollar a day, and then they also made themselves brown by putting some shoe polish on their face, and it's totally acceptable because it's 1989 apparently but jesus christ also the russian like the soviet guy sounds like a german he looks like a german and acts like or not a german but like a nazi like he, he it's, it's like we're in indiana jones but like the kmart indiana jones <laughs> and it's supposed to be 1989 but on pangea this movie is just it makes my head spin like i legit didn't know they were soviets i thought they were germans <laughs> well i okay so ernest borgnine's character is an ex-Nazi scientist, right? Because that could still make sense because it's 40 years after 
Well, I mean, you just figured out the script more than the actual actors and directors. <laughs> I'm assuming, yes. I think he was supposed to be like a Nazi scientist. And the German guy was supposed to be after him. Because, you know, obviously we're supposed to be doing the Soviet and Cuba, Cuba thing in this film. But they just like jumbled it all together and forgot to tell anyone. No, I, you know what? I, I think that it's just a Coke nightmare. They just were all so fucking high that they just were like this makes sense right yeah yeah this makes sense let's 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 go blow some shit up let's go do a car chase like that's all this movie is it's just lines of blow car chase lines of blow explosion lines of blow the tamest sex scene i've ever watched Uh, can you even call that a sex scene she was like laying on the bed and then they kind of like fade to black uh steve they exposed her shoulder okay Got a little, got a little PG-13 there. <laughs> so steamy. So is this movie rated R or PG-13? If there's no rating on this box at all. They didn't have the money to take it to the to the ratings uh, board. Okay, so IMDb says it's R. I don't know what would make this movie R, though. Well, there is a wet t-shirt. The saddest boobs. I, I feel like, yeah, I know. I was I, I was totally, I, I got confused about that. I'm like, whoa, so I guess it's not PG anymore. It's PG-13. Turns out, no, it's R. <laughs> was it supposed to be a surprise that she was a woman? Because, like, I knew she was a woman as soon as she started talking. Oh, I have a note on that that just says in all capital letters, how did he not know? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if it was. I don't know if it was supposed to be like a joke on him. Like oh, this guy didn't notice it, or were they really trying to like convince the audience? I don't. I don't know what they were going for there. Yeah, and then also they're like pals with Ernest Borgnine's character by the end. I'm gonna be honest with you. I did ride the two X button a little bit when they weren't fighting. Uh, it was after the part where the the German, I mean Soviet guy, gets the blonde and he puts the gun to her head and is like, tell him to come or whatever to the, after they bang. Uh, Also, I have a, I have a, I have tons of notes that I'm probably not even going to get to because we're just, Oh, I have two pages of notes where I'm not going to touch half of these. (laughs) Yeah. 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 But there's this really ridiculous line where he asks how long it would take to press a suit and a dress. And he says, Four hours. Can you make it five? And I'm like, you are so dehydrated and you haven't eaten. You just walked through the fucking desert. You are not going to fuck for five hours. No way. Yeah. I, yeah. It's true. Like, that's, I didn't get what he was trying to say when he was like, oh, can you make it five hours? Can you make it? Like, I, I was, yeah. He was probably done in like three minutes. Like, what do you need the rest of that time for? Like, I don't understand it. Nobody is, nobody is climaxing after they just spent the last day walking through the desert. All right. Your body has no fluids to share. And, but in like, I don't think in 1989, like little secret agent woman was carrying around a tiny little bottle of lube so that she could have sex with Brandon Lee. So, all right. So this had to have been the worst sex of their lives. Right. Because like she, they're all dehydrated and tired and she isn't carrying around like a little bottle of like lube right like i don't know if that's a secret agent thing that they do this movie was written by a a horny 12 year old who's like explosions people shooting people and having fun killing random mercenaries sax solo cocaine binge uh another car chase five hours of sex like no woman would be like yes let's have sex for five hours except sting okay sting is a big fat liar he's almost as big of a liar as the people that made this movie Oh my God, what if he was the screenwriter? (laughs) He didn't do enough coke for that, all right? 
Do you guys want to talk for a second about the poster, which is way better than the box art? Oh, yeah, that poster is amazing. Yeah, like it's a painted poster where Brandon Lee looks like James Bond. And then Debbie Monaghan's hair looks amazing. The dress is about five inches shorter than it is in the actual movie. But she's wearing the white heels because that's the plot point. The painter actually watched the movie, maybe. No, he read the script and he's like, these are all important things. And then the script like didn't become the movie. But we get Ernest Borgnine's face in the diamond which is the best part of the whole poster. Now, if I saw this on a VHS cover, if I was a kid or teenager, I would rent this in a second. Hell, I might rent this as an adult. Now, the VHS cover that we have is, uh, I don't think I would. Would you, Matt? No, I would rent this, though. Like I would. I love this uh, poster a lot. I'm looking at it right now, too. Uh, it, it, it's everything I want in the movie, <laughs> like on one poster, whereas the, D, the VHS cover is just like Brandon Lee standing there looking intense. And it's like, yeah, Brandon Lee's cool and all, but like, I'm not just going to pick up this movie based on this cover. If I saw this poster. I would own it already. You know what I mean? Yeah, this poster is awesome. I've never seen it before. We need to talk about the scenes, all the scenes with the only song in the movie, Mercenary Man. Yeah, and they use it. I'd say they, what do they use it? About four or five times? Dude, no, it's in the entire movie. Like, it's the only part of the soundtrack. So we have the entire song in the intro credits, right? And then we have other pieces of the movie strewn throughout the film. Like, there's no, I, I don't think I remember any orchestral arrangements. All the music is either the sax solo the like a, a ballady version of one of the verses of it then like an instrumental of the mercenary man like you, you guys know trey parker and matt stone they have that fake band called dvda that they did all the songs in like basketball and and team america and and and, and orgasmo but that's like you know that's the voice that is the voice that they're using is the guy that's singing in this song yeah, he's almost like he's the first, ba- like they, like Trey Parker, Matt Stone, they, they heard him in this movie and they're like, that's what I want my singer to sound like. <laughs> I don't actually know who's the one who actually sings. That's that's Trey Parker that does the, the that mercenary man voice. Yeah, I know that it was kind of a trope that there was a lot of guys that probably sang like that in the 80s. But this is so spot on that they had to have seen this movie and been like, that is this song is hilarious. And it stuck with them. Because I watched this movie one time. I, I will never watch it again, obviously. But I can sing you that song. Like That song is stuck in my brain forever because of the fact that it was used for an hour and 25 minutes over and over and over again. Yeah, it's, I mean, they got their money's worth. And, and I actually started to really like this song, especially at the beginning with the title like going across. I was just like, what? What is this film doing with this song? And then I found out who actually wrote it. <laughs> Wait, who wrote it? This was written by British songwriter from Dire Straits, David uh, Nomfler. What? Yeah, no kidding. The 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 band who did uh, Sultans of Swing? Yeah, Dire Straits. From the late 70s? Yeah, Dire Straits. It's him. He's singing. He is singing. He wrote this song. Holy shit. This is after he went solo and he decided to do three or four film soundtracks. I, it just blew my mind. Dude, I could do a soundtrack for an entire film if they're going to use one song. 
I'll do like I can get you a soundtrack in a week. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just got to take the the vocals away from it, and you got two songs. Or you can even slow down the be- the bit rate, the beats, and you can have three songs because you can have like a slower version. That's it. Next song, we've got an album. <laughs> I, I do have a note that says this song is better at two x. Don't ask me how I know that. I was going to not tell you guys that I watched a little bit of this at 2X, but I totally did. Yeah, not as much as I usually do for my regular podcast because I felt like I needed to do you guys a solid and watch more of this movie than I normally would to get like the the deep cuts, but I didn't need to. There are two great lines. I specialized in recess and girls, but he says it in such a way that it's so odd. But then um, we have the the quote unquote Soviet you know, the, 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 the Nazi head Nazi Soviet man. Who's like, I can't be beaten by a woman. That doesn't sound Soviet. It sounds like a Nazi. Uh, yeah, there is. I, I was confused at one point when we were trying to figure out who the bad guy was. Cause the guy who had the severed heads in his room, and I guess was a hunter. Now he was the German Nazi guy who was actually supposed to be the German, right? I, I might've missed that. Well, he's the one when Brandon Lee comes to rescue the professor, which, by the way, did anyone catch any of the names other than Michael Gold, which they used like 90 times in the film? No way. No, no names. Got no names. Nope. Neither do I. I, It's I just go by professor and Pilates girl. (laughs) It's funny because she has so much screen time and we don't even remember her name. Oh, it's Alyssa. Okay, wow. Good note. Most of the movie to figure it out. That's why I'm at the end of my notes. I'm like, oh yeah, Alyssa. (laughs) Yeah, Alyssa did get the best line. In my opinion, the best line towards her is when they were talking about money for this mission. And then he, Brandon Lee, Michael Gold turns her and says, I don't put price tags on women because it's too fun, too much fun taking them off. And I just like, what does that mean? What? I never put price tags on women. It's much more fun taking them off. Some things come off very easily. He's trying to make the insinuation he likes taking women's clothes off, but it doesn't really come through with by saying he likes to take off the price tags. In my mind, it's like, are you just like, you just like stealing clothes? Like, what are you trying to say if I was on a date with him and he tried to give me that pickup line? I'd be like, I don't know what you're asking me for. It's like a terrible line from a Tinder date that's gone wrong. We've got to move on where Michael Gold kills the German and then a random ninja appears. So when <laughs> Michael Gold tackles this guy off the roof and they're both going down like michael gold is on top of him somehow the other guy lands like what five feet away (laughs) and lands on the fence and then when he's on the ground they just have an abrupt hard cut where he's already up on his feet from like a 25 foot fall and now fighting a ninja which i don't recall in the film at all prior to this that's the only ninja and he's in there for Three seconds. <laughs> I know. He's Im- immediately dispatched by Michael Gold. Like, boom, you're out. Well, he's a really good ninja because you didn't see him the entire time. <laughs> I, all right. That's the most positive way to look at that ninja. Uh, but, so so one of the last things about this movie that I wanted to touch on is the fact that the head Soviet bad guy or whatever decides that – so there's – Guns and explosions going off outside this weird broken down building that he has Alyssa tied up in. He decides that now is a good time to rape her. And so he like puts his 
hand like on her thigh and then she kicks him in the balls i'm like dude this is is this the first time you've ever tied someone up because like you secured the hands and feet yeah that was getting really rapey that was straight on i'm like oh are we gonna do this (laughs) yeah it's like i said 12 year old boy wrote this and he's like you know what would make the bad guy really bad is if he sexually assaults the lead lady oh that's perfect (laughs) that's his grown-up voice (laughs) Yeah. Well, so, okay. There was one thing I noticed about this when I guess the Soviet is trapped and the, I don't know if you guys noticed on the clock from the bomb, it started on nine, nine, nine. And I'm like, uh, that's not how clocks work. It should be nine (laughs) 59. It's seconds. It's 1000 seconds. (laughs) Oh, my bad. My bad. Matt, you still there? Or? <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm here. I just I got nothing to add to that. <laughs> All right, good. I was just checking <laughs> because he thinks it's perfect. Yeah, I, I literally like this whole movie. Like, yeah, none of this makes sense. Everything you're picking apart is right. Just this whole movie, I was just like laughing like a stoner college kid. Like, just start to finish, could not stop laughing. <laughs> Were you high? Because, I mean, that's okay if you were, but it would make a lot of sense. Explain a lot. Uh, not anymore, but I had earlier in the day, so I don't know if that had an effect <laughs> on me. But uh, I wasn't anymore when this started, but, like, I was laughing like it was, like, I just lit up and, like, it was the first thing I put on. I was just, like, cracking up start to finish. Well, I about... I would say mm, at the hour 10 mark when I just I've completely given up and I'm like, I just got to get through this, push through this. I did find it funny when the old professor comes back and just like randomly starts kind of kicking ass. I was like, what? What is this? I forgot he was in this film at this point with his Cuban pals. Yeah. Who are they? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's with his brown face Cuban pals. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. This movie is so offensive. No, no. Brownface is never offensive. Uh, uh, <laughs> let's see you go walk around your town in brownface and see what happens. <laughs> Absolutely not. With a really shitty accent. Yeah. yeah. I don't think that anybody would be like, I audition for this role. I want to be the brownface. Oh, yeah. that's Well, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, no, they're, they're actually doing this? <laughs> Uh, whatever (laughs) i was i was on board with it because i was like this movie is just ridiculous you know it it, i i can see their reasoning for why they would think that that was a good idea in 1988 let's just say when they were filming it but it just kept going on and there were so many people in brownface it wasn't just brandon lee with a shitty mustache Uh, also there's a surprisingly funny line early on which i'm sure that matt like was just tripping balls laughing his ass off about when he gets parachuted into this cuban camp right and he touches down and they see him and he walks up and they're like who are you he's like i'm your captain like yeah yeah you're you're our captain right and then he's like what did you just see and the guy's like i saw you fall out of the tree and he's like he slaps the shit out of him he's like what did you see he's like nothing (laughs) well these soldiers suck (laughs) like the point of tears in this whole scene (laughs) yeah because they all had stormtrooper aim like they're just completely missing (laughs) 
no one could shoot Michael Gold. Yeah, and they're having way too much fun. Yeah, it's he must be a ghost. Uh, so, they, but they they have way too much. He and Alyssa are like really really cavalier about all the people they murder in this film. Like a lot of people die in this film, and they they're just like nice shooting. Oh, let's go bang. It's so weird. And then there's also that guy on the the uh, horse who just can't shoot for shit. He's like trying to shoot him with a – did he have like a grenade launcher or something? Or a, well, it was a rifle. You're, you're talking about the, the guy in the desert, right? Like the assassin that was coming after him? I'm Yeah, I'm sorry. He didn't have – he just had a, a regular rifle. He's like shooting at, at Michael and Michael's like, nope, nope, not close enough, not close enough. He just stands there. And then he shoots – I thought he was going to like smack the – but I thought he was going to actually punch the horse in the mouth and then like beat the guy up because I was like, this movie can't get any more ridiculous. And it, I really wish it would have done that because that would have been a redeeming quality. <laughs> Just knock the horse out. <laughs> now, Just punch in the face. Now, when all the prisoners at the very end of this film, when they're in Africa, apparently, I guess, looking for diamonds. I don't know what they were doing there. I didn't even pay attention. Uh, like smashing the rocks. Did you all think that, like, wow, Trump is right. This is a piece of shit country. <laughs> Getting political! <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that is when you see the Soviet get tossed into the mine and blown up, then you're like, that's a shithole. I, I think that that's about as political as we can get right there. Topical. Top- we did it. Oh, we do it. We do it every week. <laughs> we always find a way to get Trump into this. I mean, he's already in everything else. <laughs> if I could shit on Republicans at any point, I I make sure to do it in every episode. Oh. <laughs> Matt doesn't give a shit. <laughs> I don't. Wow. I, I'm waiting for the hate mail. It hasn't come yet. You're like, please, just somebody. Like you, you sit at your bed and you you pray. You're like, God, it's me, Matt. I would love some hate mail. And this is how you know there is no God because you haven't gotten hate mail. <laughs> that's right i i am doing this just to piss off conservatives and that hasn't pissed anybody off yet <laughs> not that we know of so let's let's get into the behind the scenes let's pivot right off that because i love it now can you guys imagine david hasselhoff playing michael gold yes absolutely yeah it would have been better yeah he was he was actually considered for the role now what kills me is when they say consider for the role like there was actually someone you know who was actually listening to someone read lines this was just like i'll take that one that one they just went shopping one day and brandon lee was the only one who called them back like he's like yeah, yeah i'll work i'll do it you guys remember bruce lee i'm his son okay we'll take you <laughs> brandon lee was great in this movie he was gonna be a star he was a star for one film. Well, yeah. He was the star of this film. But, like, he was going to go places. And Rapid Fire, right? You guys talk about that movie a lot. No, I see what you're saying. Like, I, there's a lot of charisma coming off him and kind of, like, I don't give a shit about this film attitude, but still was really good kind of just milking it in front of the camera in a way. Devil may care smile. Yeah, he's yeah. No kidding. What a smile on that guy. Yeah, it's just it's more of a smirk though. I mean, it, it's his character is probably supposed to be more of like a hardened merc, who's like uh, you know like oh, oh don't tell me how to do my job. But then he just comes off as this eh kind of guy. He's like I just killed fifteen people. Eh, I think I'm gonna go try and have sex with this person I don't really know. Eh, for five hours. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think you should go to the doctor if that happens, buddy. Oh, yeah. Something's wrong. You took too many pills. He's got his little mercenary dop kit, and it's got like Viagra and lube in it. That's all is in it. <laughs> no water, no nothing. I can survive on this. And not even condoms. He's like really cavalier. No condoms in it. Yeah, no, actually, I think that that's part of his job is like no condoms. The girls are like, hey, so you have protection? He's like, James Bond never used protection. I like to live dangerously. Come on. And he raw dogs them all. Awful. Awful. Just like Donald Trump and Stormy Daniels. There you go. Topical. You nailed it. You brought it all around. So originally, oh God, I don't even know how to keep going on for this. So originally the title of this film was Soldier of Fortune. And like, why did they change it? That seems perfect because when they name it Laser Mission, sure, it's a cool title and maybe you can make a better poster out of it, but it makes no sense. And there's no fucking lasers. I was so pissed. Not one. You know what? Maybe this is like Big Trouble in Little China is from the point of view of a secondary character. What if this movie is from the point of view of the bad guys and they win? The laser mission is like, we're going to make a laser and then they get thwarted and we're actually rooting for the bad guys. Well, they couldn't even decide what they were doing. Like at one point they called it a nuclear weapon and then they called it the Star Wars weapon, which I think is lasers. I don't know. Is Reagan's era. I wasn't alive or I was, but I was a baby. (laughs) And then we got lasers from the diamond. I was so, I mean, they had no idea what the title of this is going to stay. I just think at one point they're like, make sure you say lasers a few times. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I don't understand why they didn't name it Mercenary Man. That would have been the title I would have went with. That would have made way too much sense. It's it's so blasé. I mean, why didn't anybody even make the song Mercenary Man? Like, the guy from Dire Straits just is so lame. As a musician, I just got to say, dude from Dire Straits, you should have hung it up a long time ago, like way before 1989. Well, he's on Twitter. Maybe you can write him. I don't do Twitter anymore. I don't want to put that hate in the world. Wait, now you don't want to read the hate or you don't want to put it out? I don't, Actually, it's just that I could dish it out but not take it. And so I know that about myself. <laughs> I don't want to put myself up, out for all the hate that I would get back. Don't you talk shit on Dire Straits. Uh, so <laughs> on the notes here, we have BJ Davis is actually in the uh, Hollywood Stuntman Hall of Fame. Did anyone know that existed? Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I I thought it was a joke at first. I was like, okay, I get it if you win awards, but I didn't know. Are there actors Hall of Fame or is that what we call the stars in Hollywood? I don't know. This is actually really a, that's a solid question. And I don't think that we can answer that. Listeners, what do you think? Hate mail, please. (laughs) All the hate mail (laughs) goes straight to Matt. Please. (laughs) I was looking at this. This is kind of crazy. So this episode will come out February 2nd. Brandon Lee was born. February 1st, 1965. So he would have been 53 the day before this episode's going to drop. I don't know. I thought that was creepy. Huh. Maybe you should put it out a day early and be like, happy birthday, Brandon Lee. We miss you. Here's our podcast shitting on Laser Mission. (laughs) (laughs) But we're not, we're shitting on the movie, not him, because we just said that he's charming in the film. It's true. And that he was going places. He was. He was going to be Johnny Cage in Mortal Kombat. Oh, man. I wish that he would have. That would have probably redeemed a really shitty movie. He would probably have been like, you know what, guys? Let's just do all the effects practical and not use CGI because that would have made the movie a lot better. That's probably a discussion for another time. How much do you think the budget was on this? Honestly, just I mean, because there is no budget I could find anywhere. I'm going with $120,000. <laughs> <laughs> You can, hey, listen, guys, we can buy a house 
or we can make shit blow up. Uh... Well, they're coked out of their mind. They're like, let's blow this shit up. Yeah, let's blow up this village in Africa. It sounds great. Let's do that instead. Let's move on to what's going in our museum. This is the second time I've had to reclaim my property from you. That belongs in a museum. So do you. This is the part of Analog Jones where we put something in the museum, good or bad. And if it's bad, we got to learn from it and we got to find the gold from anything. So how about you go, Matt? I'm going to put Mercenary Man in the museum because, like, it's the movie. It's <laughs> it's the whole movie. Gets you kicked off, ready to start exactly what you're going to get into and that it plays during the opening credits. All right. Scott, you go next. One word. Ninja. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> now you got to think on your toes. Yeah, yep. You can also pick the ninja because you can just say the ninja stuntman. I actually had a backup, and it is when they walk into his room, the German's room, and he has all those heads in there. <laughs> when they show a, a little, like, one-second clip close-up of the heads, it's actually not that bad of a prop. So I'm going to put in the movie with absolutely no budget, actually putting in time for a little bitty dead head that was going to be in there for about one or two seconds. I can accept that. Because most of these movies, you know, that would have been like a basketball, like painted. (laughs) 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 But no, no, not in laser mission. They go all out for us. Yeah, they they really think that every scene needs to be just full of details. You know, that's a hero prop right there if there ever was one. Yeah, I was wondering when I was looking at that hunter's house, I'm like, is this is this someone's house that they knew or did they actually make up this house and all the hunter gear? Oh, you know, they just found somebody. They probably put an ad in the yellow page. What the fuck would they even have back then? Not Craigslist. They, They put an ad in the newspaper that was like, hey, can somebody that has a bunch of hunting memorabilia, you want to be in a movie with Brandon Lee, star of Rapid Fire or Maybe Rapid Fire was after this. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> a better podcast would have uh, researched that. <laughs> well, I can't speak from experience because we never do our research either. All right. It's just running rapid throughout the podcast community. Fuck research. It's too much time. We had this shitty movie to get off our mind. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I couldn't think of anything except for the song. Mercenary man. Mercenary man. Oh, I'm playing that at the end of this. <laughs> <laughs> so, so guys, we gotta we gotta figure out here if if we come across this tape and the Goodwill and it a functioning one, do we pick it up? Even if it's not functioning, I would absolutely have a copy of this, if only so that I could show people as a warning. Like, this is what'll happen with your brain on drugs. Don't do this. <laughs> I Yeah, I think absolutely. I mean, not only am I going to keep a broken VHS of this, but I would actually like to own one of the shitty DVD versions of this. Ooh, that's going too far. If it's more than $2, I wouldn't buy it. I've got some dignity. But I feel like this movie, you could show a group and it would be a blast. And I'm surprised we haven't heard of this as like a really bad film. I've never heard of this at all. So I think this is kind of a fun group film if you're all drinking. Or on something else. I would I would play this movie. Like I would screen this for an audience. Like it's it's a fun bad movie. Uh, it, it yeah. I, I think a crowd could have fun with this. I absolutely would pick this up if I found it. Oh wow, that's that's a three for three right there. But not for the same reason. So 
you know, don't lump me in with Matt. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you say that on both podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Maybe I'm just falling back into my old habits. Uh, well, you know, I mean, I, <laughs> I fell in love with you on those old habits. I love that shit. Oh, oh we might want to end on that touching moment right there. Yeah, w- touching where? And <laughs> in, in, in my uh, my low cut dress with no underwear and white heels. Yeah, but you got that push up bra, bro. That's right. That thing is worth all the monies. Yeah, they definitely. That's that's a hero prop right there. <laughs> oh damn! Should have put that in the museum. <laughs> <laughs> she still has it. We watched her Pilates video. That's right. You can go on YouTube and watch it too, and maybe you can go to California and get her to be your instructor. <laughs> Okay, this this podcast was a lot of fun. Uh, Scott, thank you for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. I I was mad that you made me watch. Well, I'm I was mad at myself for making us watch this film, but I knew that we'd get a good episode out of it and that we'd have a blast talking about it. So thanks for having me. All right, man. I'm gonna let you. I I guess let you have the last word. Uh, yeah. Thanks for coming, Scott. Thanks for listening, everybody, and make sure to be kind and rewind. Where you hear the silent scream He only knows where he is going to It's like a dream within a dream His heart beats like a hammer Like the back feet of a song And the fire burns within him And he knows he don't belong But he must be strong He's a Is the price tag on every deal? Oh, the mercenary.